Welcome, everybody. This is the Script to Screen podcast with your host, Ken Carey, where three decades of proven experience has launched products, built brands, and generated profits. These are the stories behind the businesses that have been built. Welcome to our Thought Leader Thursday webinar series. My guest today is Abed Abusala. Abed is the CEO of Havas Edge, and we're in their offices, and Abed was gracious to give us some time today. And Abed, I want to talk a little bit about the older demographic when okay. it comes to performance marketing. But before we get into that, tell me a little bit about Havas Edge, what you do, and, and where yeah. you guys have your fingers and everything in, in, in performance marketing. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Havas Edge was actually founded in 1992. Our original founder was Steve Netsley, who yep. I think you know from back then. Sure. Uh, but this is prior to when Havas acquired the agency in 2000. Uh, we are the largest performance marketing agency in the world. It's actually a worldwide global network uh, where we actually have countries. We're in Australia, in Europe, in Germany. We're just about to go into Japan, India. Wow. So it's one of the largest growing uh, performance marketing networks in the world. I have the honor of being the uh, North American CEO for Havas Edge, um, which has been great. And I think the biggest thing that we've always had is that clients really want to understand when they invest the dollars into media channels, they are media agnostic in terms of which channel that they invest their money into. Mm -hmm. They have an outcome that they're trying to drive. And I think when we find ourselves being able to partner with those types of clients, it's a really good marriage in the sense that everything we do is super analytical, right. whether it exists on traditional linear television, CTV, programmatic OTT, online video, paid social, um, podcasts, influencers, net, and our new and our newest division, which we just launched actually in July. We are now in the uh, Instagram and YouTube influencer space. So we're awesome. we're super excited about rounding out the portfolio, and I think our vision, our dream, is we always say that um, it's profitable outcomes at scale, regardless mm -hmm. of where that comes from. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're we're really expanding our offerings and super proud of what we're building over here. Awesome. Now let's let's just be clear for. The, the companies that we're talking to, there's a difference between equity and performance marketing. Mm -hmm. And when people hear performance marketing, at least the, the, the C-level executives we talk, they have a little bit of an idea, but give a clear delineation of the two. So when you're talking about traditional advertising, most people are looking at it from a reach and frequency basis of impressions. Where am I reaching? What's my brand health? So you're looking at the overall, almost the soup, regardless of where it's at. How is that impacting my overall brand and the people's opinion of my brand and awareness of it? What we do is different in the sense that every dollar that's invested through performance marketing, our clients have a reasonable expectation of a delivery against that target. In some cases, it's absolutely CPM and how many, what's the cost per eyeball that we're getting. Okay. But in many cases, it's acquisition. For every dollar I spent, how many new customers did I generate? For every dollar I spent, how many new contacts did I develop? And those are the metrics that they ask us to measure and then optimize our media against. When you start talking about optimization in terms of outcomes, now you're really speaking more performance marketing than you are traditional advertising. And I always say, and I think you'd validate the fact, you're talking about you're making an investment and you're reinvesting and you're scaling it. Yep. I mean, that's, that's kind of symptomatic, but that's it's, really the difference, right? Well, I think one of the beauties of performance marketing is this is one of those few areas where a small investment can tell you a story before you have to commit to a larger investment. Um, whether it's on the media side of it or the creative side of it, 
you know, when you talk about to get it out of the gates, there's creative and there's media. And the, there's a reasonable investment that you're able to make to be able to get both of those things done mm -hmm. before you have to commit to a multi-million dollar budget right. all the way through. So it has this kind of test, learn, optimize model that I think that most CMOs and CEOs that are out there understand, like, it's a hell of an investment to say I need to spend $5 million to find out if I have something that's working. You know, we live in the range where we're under a million dollars, under in some cases half a million dollars to understand exactly not only what I've done, but now what do I need to do next? Mm -hmm. And I think that gives a lot of people a sense of comfort and they really, they like that part of what we do. So when you and I see clients that start off with a $50,000 media test and then we meet each other again four months later and they're spending 700 or a million dollars a week, you know that that was a process, that they had a lot of checkpoints along the way right. to understand how was I doing, what do I need to improve, right. what's the next step? And we always refer to it as you guys do what is so important for these businesses is help them to understand how to make their media dollars work harder. Mm -hmm. Not just spread it out, but make it work harder. Our, and that's the key. And one of the things that we say all the time when we talk to clients is, how do we make a $10 million budget feel like it's 20? Exactly. How do we make a $20 million budget feel like it's 30? That is what they're paying us for. Right. Their job is to be as efficient as we possibly can and being creative as we possibly can. It's a scrappy business yeah. when done well. Yeah. You know, If it was easy, everybody would do it. We enjoy right. the parts that are hard because we like the fact that we can get people value on their money. Mm -hmm. That's where we get to add value on a daily basis to our clients. Let's talk about that, that demographic that is you know north of 45 years mm -hmm. old and there's discretionary income, all those types of things. And we are seeing so many more clients going after that market. So I wanna talk about what are the performance marketing opportunities when it comes to that older demographic? What, what, what do people need to understand? Because you hear it like we hear it. Well, no one watches TV and everybody is digital. I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah. maybe. But that's to, not to, true. Not, not for this no. market, especially. I, I actually don't believe that's true for any I, market. I agree. I, but I do. I, I hear all the same buzz and all the right. same story horror stories, and everybody, I think, has an agenda with that one. Right. Before you start, I just want people to understand, Abba's going to answer this question, and they're doing hundreds of millions of dollars every year in media. Absolutely. So this isn't like theory. So I just wanted to set that up a little bit. We're not spending yes. a couple hundred thousand dollars here and there. I mean, world, I mean hundreds of millions. Worldwide performance marketing, the Edge Performance Network will do over a billion dollars in media. So we have a pretty good idea. Yeah. And we have, we have a pretty good idea of what the reality is of those situations. <laughs> so I would say we're probably qualified to answer the you questions. Think? <laughs> I, I think we probably have some legitimacy. I think when you're looking at the consumer, one of the things there, it's a discerning consumer. They do have a ton of discretionary income, mm -hmm. but they're also looking for value on their and in some cases, it's not. I think that there's a mix of different formats that you can use where everybody defaults to let's just use 30 second spots and we can target everybody. I would say there's only so much you can say sometimes in 30 Correct. seconds. For some products, it makes sense. It has brand awareness, it's a category. If you're talking food delivery, you probably don't need much more than 30 seconds to right. talk about it. As you start to get into things that are targeting more of an older consumer, and I think where you're talking about products, yep. you're talking about services when you're talking about subscriptions, mm -hmm. things that are gonna be a real investment where you want somebody that has expendable income, they're gonna to wanna to understand what they're getting. And what you're saying is educating that consumer, I right? think it matters. Yeah. I, I, let me rephrase, I know that it matters. Yeah. And as you start to work with older consumers, what you'll actually see is that you see a delta in performance variance in a lot of products, not every single one, where it gets better as you go from a 30 to a 60, from a 60 to a two minute 
from a two minute to a three or a five minute and from a three or a five minute to a 30 minute infomercial. Now, if you were live in the world where TV is dying and oh, infomercials are gone, what you're really doing is the marketers that don't believe that are so thankful every time everybody says it because the market gets less and less competitive and more and more cost efficient. Right. And we've 100% seen that. So how does a company look at utilizing each one of these lengths and when is it appropriate and and specifically if you're just doing short form there's our markets you cannot get into cost effectively where you can with a long form talk about those idiosyncrasies that people don't really understand because a lot of meeting the agencies are selling what they sell they're selling what they do they're not selling quote unquote the best solution all the time there's a couple of things that are involved in that number one marketers and agencies have gotten very smart so they we have really gotten good all of them not just us as much as i'd like to think we're best in the game of understanding you know fishing where the fish are understanding where this demographic lives and how they consume television a lot of agencies invest a lot in research to understand that if you take that as as fact which i believe that it is they're also all going to a lot of the same channels to fish for the same audience right. what you get is a crowded space if you look at something like the Medicare space, yes. when you get into certain high points of Medicare season, you've got a lot of people looking for the same type of audience. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're a 60, imagine a world where you could be in the same commercial break with two Medicare spots in the same break. So even in maybe a non-high demand season, it can still be one of your most efficient channels. It starts to become challenging. There's various possibilities. When everybody knows where they are, they all tend to go to the same spaces. Mm -hmm. So when you're in a neighborhood where you're crowded, you're dividing up a three-minute, two-minute commercial break with you and two of your competitors. And if not a direct competitor, you and two are the people that are looking for the same audience. Right. So that's where you can wait want to look at graduating to something like a three-minute or a five-minute ad. The reason we call it full break yes. and not other forms as people have used is because the value of it is owning the break. You get book-ended coverage of a commercial break by yourself. That's the white space mm -hmm. that nobody else has in and, a lot of ways. And what Abbott's talking about is usually there's three or four advertisers in that time. Abbott's saying, you own that entire minute. You, you, you own the it. break. You own the break. You own the break. Full break is your break where you have three or five minutes, three, four, or five minutes, mm -hmm. and you have that entire break. You tell that story. It's a one-on-one -on -one engagement with a cult, with, with your consumer. Yep. They get to know more about you to yep. all the points that you hit on what you're trying to do in creative, and there's no other noise around it, right? As you keep going up the scale, when you now moved into a long-form show or a 30-minute show, a full 30-minute you know show, now you're the program. So you become programming. And the more that people can see a long form as a program, as content that we're providing, as opposed to an ad or, oh, right. it's spray on hair from right. 19. Those kill me because, well, for a lot of our clients, when we're trying to talk them through that, when we finally do get them to do it and they see the results, the answer is always the same. I'm really glad you talked me through it. Right. And at the end of the day, the right content on brand, it makes a lot of sense with the right title. Right. And if you're working with someone that knows the space as well as we do, mm -hmm. we can guide you really safe ground that you'll be really proud of on the other side of and pretty profitable. So how does it differ when, let's say when you talk about this 30 second space and there's a, and there's a competitor right next to you, obviously it's driving media costs because everyone's fighting for the same space, so that's one thing. How do you tell A from B at, at that point so when you're in that situation when you migrate to full break or long form can you get into places that maybe your competitors are not because they're only in short form 
So as far as channels go, no. Actually, the most reaching channel is 30 seconds. can get into every single station across the country. Okay. So in that sense, no. There's not There's not a special per, a, a access that you But there's get. a cost associated with that. There is. Now, what you're paying to be able to be in that space and to target that audience, keep in mind, if you're looking for a demographic that's 45 plus, and you're on a channel where the viewership, you look at something like a USA or a Food Network or a Home and Garden Television, their audience is really 25 to 54, 25 to even older than that. That's a very expensive audience to target. And if you're trying to actually hit this portion of that target, when you're not just your competitors, the people you're gonna share space with have a 25 to 54, they get full value out of the demo and it's priced for full value. It's not priced for 45 older. Right. When you're moving to something like the three or the five, or more importantly, even the long form, the three or five is more of a hybrid, mm-hmm. where it, a lot of the channels that it exists on tend to skew slightly older. I'd say it's more like 35 plus, as opposed to 40. Who accept the three and fives. Yeah, okay. that accept the three and fives. It's not, it's not just, the, most of the younger, younger networks don't do it. Right. But when you're looking at 35, 40 plus, that's usually your sweet spot for your mm-hmm. full break. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as you get into long form, you're just priced for people that are really looking for 45 plus. Value for your money, dollar in versus dollar out, there's not much of a better game in town when you're looking at it that way, and that's the bridge from that thirty to the long form side of it mm-hmm. that you've got to, that you've really got to equate and you've got to take into account if you're trying to get maximum dollars out of your value out of your market. So let's say I wanted to uh, find that older demographic in Lexington, Kentucky. Yep. Okay. So if I were to buy th- uh, thirty seconds or fifteen seconds in that market on the on the in the, on the networks that put the, find that demographic in that Lexington, Kentucky. Um, I could also get there in 30 minutes and probably pay a lot less. Once you get into a local market, mm-hmm. you're now competing against the local advertisers as well. You're right. competing against your national advertisers via syndication, which are taking up some of the inventory there. Got it. But also, you're talking about uh, Toyota of Lexington. Right. right. You're talking about the local grocery store. Howard's Appliances. Howard's <laughs> Appliances. So. You're adding in a national competition. You're adding in local competition. You're adding in a direct cable competition, and not to mention that the brakes aren't that much bigger. They're smaller because they've committed so much inventory to syndication. Mm-hmm. Efficiency local short form is a huge challenge. It is absolutely a challenge. Interesting. It can work. It absolutely can, but it's got to be the right thing that's localized. But if you're talking about efficiency, and especially if I'm targeting an older market, it's a no-brainer decision. Right. You actually need to be looking at a long form. What I just heard you say is, um, as I'm breaking that down, is there's a lot of data and research and just you know boots on the ground information and experience to find those types of opportunities, right? That's one of the benefits of an agency our size yes. and, and is... Every single station, every single week, we are buying and actively representing, and we understand the value of it. So we don't run the risk of, I haven't talked to somebody in six months, and I get some sticker shock price, and I don't know if that's a good price or a bad price. So you know, no matter what you do, I think one of the things that Steve had told me, my mentor, Mm -hmm. the first thing, he's like, there's no such thing as, there's no such thing as good media or bad media, there's what you paid for it, right? He's like, you can make a piece of, a piece of bad media can become really good if you can get it at the right price. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that value and that, that gray matter that we have as an agency definitely helps us out a lot. Right. Because I think what's important, and I hear this all the time, is that relationships still matter. I actually, I, I know there are agencies that are out there that basically think computers can do the job. There's an AI. AI Programmatic buying. can do figure it all out. 
And to your point, as far as relationships matter, what an AI machine will never be able to catch is nuances. What is it that what is it that that salesperson has available that isn't just as simple as you can put on a menu and say pick off the menu? There's ways when you talk about trying to make ten million dollars feel like fifteen million dollars. That is a relationship business, and that has to be something that's going to be good for the network because it's an advantage to them. In some cases. We'll invest more with channels, but we'll get more value out of it. Mm-hmm. This isn't about just a race to the bottom. If we all lived in a world of a race to the right. bottom, like that's what then maybe that's what the the AI model supports. Right, is that everything's commoditized? I don't believe that. I don't believe that. Either. I just don't believe that it's commoditized. Yeah. and I think that if you do believe that media is commoditized, then you're never going to see the value in what we do. I just right. don't believe that it's commoditized. Yeah, if you're talking about making a compelling story that addresses the problem you know, creates a solution, what's unique about it, how, where's, where's the, the uh, efficacy, all those types of things, there's a process to it. And if you don't do that every day, it's, you, it can't be a commodity because it's, it's, it's white space in a way. I just, most of our clients, they're not, they're not in a race to the bottom for pricing. So I would look at it and say, I agree with them. Like this isn't about a race to the bottom. You buy a product, that isn't the lowest price because you're getting value out of it, right? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that do wireless headphones these days, but there's a reason that the Apple iPods or the, the AirPods are the number one selling brand. They're a superior product. Right. They're worth the money that they're spending in some ways. Mm-hmm. That's no different with media. There's no different with creative. You pay for a superior product, and the way we know, both of us have had mm-hmm. clients that have said, look, it's commoditized, it's either gonna be a lower fee or I gotta rock, They've walked, but they've come back. And, and we don't need to make them feel bad on walking our way back out the door because I'm grateful. Those relationships last yeah. forever because you know what? We learned how much we missed them, and I think they learned how much they missed us. Right. And I think that's a great partnership with people that want to be there. Right. You know what? We want to do this together. We've all come up with the same thing. I want to scale my business. Mm-hmm. I want to, everyone, no one's in this business to be here. They all want to scale. So how does creating or using all these formats that we're talking about help in this demographic, specifically the scale businesses? And, and I would add a couple to that as well, okay. actually. Um, so a lot of, I mean, I think everybody understands fully well how social and digital matters and all of that. Like, sure. We, we'll never have to sell somebody on, the internet's a thing. Like, right. I can't believe it. You can make money on the internet. We'll never <laughs> sell anybody on that. That's not, it's not a fad. That, that seems to be not a fad. This thing is probably around. But what I would actually even extend into that is everything has a job and it has a role in a suite of products. Where you get shot is they say like, all right, I've got five options, I gotta pick one. Mm. I can understand that you wanna be smart about your investment on the way in, but understand, I recommend to clients, have a long-term plan. Understand which of these formats serve a role. For example, what we've also found is what we've run a 60-second campaign for an older demographic for years successfully, very successfully. And after about probably three or four years of a baseline of their 60-second spot, they were looking for ways to expand. Mm-hmm. Their network print footprint had kind of shrunk, so they were looking for ways to scale and grow their business. We actually introduced them to, and they produced a long form that ran alongside of it. What you ended up finding was that the benefit of the long form performance actually ended up being better than the 60 second perform, even though 60 was good, mm-hmm. but that wasn't the, the, the thing that I learned from it. The secondary thing I learned from it, 
once you scaled that long form to critical mass, mm-hmm. and once that started reaching about three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a week in long form spend, mm-hmm. you saw cost per calls go down in short form, and you saw conversions go up. Go up. We were educating a consumer that had been seeing the same thing, yep. same way for three years, and it was falling on deaf ears. Yep. They looked at their short form in a different way. Yep. We were getting more responsive action. And when you saw the long form and the 60 running on the same station, you dramatically saw lower cost per calls, higher conversion rates, more efficient cost per acquisition targets, and a lot more profitability for the client. So Abbott, now that we're talking about all the ways that we have to have touch point with consumers, mm-hmm. tell me about the importance of a really robust media mix as much as it's been, as TV's been such a powerful medium, there's been this thing like, well, I've got TV and I've got digital, therefore I'm okay. Right. Uh, I've got my search, I've got social, I've got TV, I'm good. And I think when you see the ever-changing habits of a consumer and a tightening marketplace, which we've seen in 2021, mm-hmm. as you've had both the clients that have learned to exist in the pandemic that were stay at home, mm-hmm. meet the clients that were forced off the air because they were travel or leisure, mm-hmm. combine into one TV market, you've got a lot of clients that are scratching their heads, pulling their hair out like, where else do I move my dollars? And one of the things that I think we've done a year and a half ago was understand that regardless of whether we got this phenomenon now, You've got to diversify dollars around different things that are not just video and not just OTT, not just TV. We fully believe and endorse the fact that when you got to meet consumers where they where are they and where are. they are today. They've now self-selected into YouTube and Instagram personalities, and that's where they consume content. Like It's almost like the wholesome American family programming has moved over to YouTube, right? and it's entertaining, and it's scientific, or it's about cooking. It's about raising a family. Yeah. There's an influencer. There's an influence on YouTube about how she got into Harvard and the two-year process to that. People have been fascinated by watching people that are everyday people like them share their lives openly in this format. Yeah. And guess what? They're more likely to buy now products from people that are just a regular person they identify with than they are from a major celebrity. Mm-hmm. I think people are looking to find genuine and authentic programming, and we're seeing that that exists in some cases outside of linear television. So to circle this all back to your point, you're missing an opportunity if you're focusing on one. Right. And if it's just TV or if it's just podcast or if it's just influencer, you're missing the rest of it. And all of that can be performance marketing, right? So, so it all is performance. It all right? because it's you're all measurable. Thank you. Right. It's, it's all, all measurable. measurable. And and I think that's the other thing that people have to understand is that while TV we know has been measurable and then connected TV, OTDV is super measurable and digital is the ultimate measurable, you know right. every click. Well, influencer marketing and podcast and streaming and terrestrial, those are all measurable if you're with the right partner. Correct. And if you ask your partner, how do I measure it? And they're like, I don't know then you probably might want to ex- reassess. <laughs> you might want to reassess whether or not that's where you want to go. People ask us, well, so how do you how do you reach those things? Do you just take a 60 second spot and cut it down to 30 seconds and put it on YouTube or put it on Instagram? And when people say that, I I I kind of shiver. I'm like, you have to be contextual to the platform. Because I'm on Facebook for a different reason than I'm on Instagram. And I, I talk about being in addition to, not 
obtrusive. What the important thing here is that performance media is not just television; it's in every single platform. And let's talk about um, an example of where that has worked really well. And I'll and I'll start the conversation off with uh, a client that we share with with Generac. Yeah. Now here's a client that is they're selling a very expensive home generation unit starting at $20,000 and up. And we've done digital, we've done short form, we've done storm chasing on the weather channel, we've yep. done long form, we've done mid form, and all of that has been on social specifically and it was geo-targeted. So just all those messages were definitely, the, the credit was specific to the platform, but all that work together. Talk about how important all that working together. And it goes back to how we seamlessly go from one platform to the next. For Generac, which is a necessary brand. I mean, yes. there are people, You, if you're gonna have a generator, you're probably not gonna wanna go to the low end of the market on that. I'm right. just assuming that right. when you need your generator, you want the best of the best. And that's right. why we've had so much success with Generac. Yeah. Right, that is the premium brand. That is the, that is the, the best brand in that category. But for them, what is your standard regular message that you have all the time, yep. which is basically the need and the value base of why it is when you're preparing for, when you know something's imminent or that you've just experienced it's a tragedy yeah. or hardship, you know, it's a different message that almost has to be more understanding, right? Like it just can't be your standard message. And you see a client like that, whether they're doing it on radio, whether they're doing it on social, whether they're doing it on television, like they're a very consumer conscious brand which mm -hmm. is probably why they've been as successful as they have. Mm -hmm. They understand that there's a right time and a right place for a right message, not just in terms of lengths and executions. Sure. And there are certain times where you are gonna spike up. So for example, to your point on the Weather Channel, if you know that some, we've just gone through a storm and there's not a full, there's not a short, there's not a long form available on that, it makes total sense to reallocate dollars over to that because you've got a lot of people that are just watching it saying, I can't have that happen to me. Yeah, like Generac needs to get me through a right. lot of this stuff. So there are brands like that that have uniqueness where they've got to be nimble. Yep, and they've got to have a lot of different assets in a lot of different formats ready to go at any single time, and they do it masterfully. The the wound is so fresh that the wallets open up when the wound is that fresh, and you're talking to them in terms of we want to take care of you. We don't want to see you in that situation again. Versus, mm -hmm. hey, buy this now for five payments of blankety blankety blank. It's toned up. Exactly. Right, and you can't be toned up, and I and and I know you guys in certain cases, even on your digital video side, mm -hmm. and what you do, you can turn video quickly, edits quickly, yes, um, so that people can have it up right away. Because there's nothing worse than a brand being toned up. Oh yeah, um, you know, it's like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't care. Like, yeah. and I think especially when you're in brands that are, you know, the disaster relief, recovery, financial wellness, financial mm -hmm. health, health in general, it's important to know that there are times for the standard message. Yes, but versioning matters and it's appreciated and it helps. And I think just how they feel about it. It's even beyond just the employee that the world changes. Like if you imagine, if you look at what a lot of those beer ads were in February of 2020, mm -hmm. people coming together in stadiums and you look at three months later, and I give a lot of credit to a lot of these companies to be able to shift your messaging right. to incorporate social distancing so quickly. But imagine if they had just done one creative right? and they said, well, that one was working forever and they were running that in April or May. Mm -hmm. That's tone deaf. Yeah. Right. And there was, you saw some people that didn't change. Yeah. Like they were just like, oh, just run. But by the time you got to June or July, because you know there was a lot of consumer backlash, mm -hmm. everybody had something that was our new, I mean, at that time, pandemic 
friendly. We always say we want our clients to have as many bullets in the revolver. In the chamber, yeah. In the chamber so you guys can be, so media can, can adapt and change really, really quick. The worst thing is I don't have anything that the media company needs. Right. Because you're on the pulse of it, and if I don't have it, what? How long is it? it now you're talking. Now you're talking opportunity cost that you're you're missing. Sure. Just count when you. How many times do you go from one platform to the next? If that doesn't tell you, just by your own little inner circle of what's happening, you need to be thinking that as a company, and that's where having a prolific. Um, you know, um, amount of content for all these different platforms is so important. And like you said, you'll ramp up to it, but understand you need to be there eventually because if, because if you're not where your consumer is, you don't exist. And it's, and you missed it. And to that market, to that audience, um, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. It's a, yeah. it is a portfolio of things, but I mean, it's no different than if you're just starting to play golf, maybe in day one, you get your driver. Um, but you know you can go out and you go to the range, but you want a full set of clubs by the time if you're going to be a, a pro analogy. golfer, you want to keep adding clubs to that bag. At some point, you're going to need a sand wedge, you're going to need a putter. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's okay, like if you're just learning the game, right. pull out a driver and go hit some balls. Right. But if I'm going to be a golfer and I'm going to be a, I'm going to be the best in the game, I'm going to need a full set of clubs and I need the best ones. Tell me. Place. So tell me a little bit about when it comes to adding connected and. OTT on top, of, which is you know, you know, synonymous, if you will. How does how does that fit into this demographic, or is it still on the peripheral and not really there? Because it's here, growing, and here to stay. In that demo, it is the extension of video. It, okay. If you're talking linear and you're not talking programmatic CTV, then you're you're missing a huge part of the story. That okay, cord cutters. I never watch television. I can only reach them for. That's not the only way of this serves. Exactly. I mean, it's one of the largest investments this agency has made is the support of building out our programmatic and CTV group. It is our fastest growing group by far right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's having leaps and bounds of where it's at, but we don't just see it as a way to reach cord cutters. It's an extension of television. There right. are people that both watch linear, but they take in content via Hulu, via Roku, via Amazon Prime Video. Right. I mean, whether or not they're migrating over here or they're migrating over there, the understanding of your performance in each of them and how they work together makes it that you're protected against however the media landscape or your audience evolves. Right. Because there have been times where some of that audience evolves back more towards linear television. Mm -hmm. You see that when sports are very heavy. Yep. Around the elections, we saw a migration back towards linear television in certain demographics. Sure. If you're trying to reach 18 to 24, 18 to 35, I would tell you you're going to have a hard time with linear television, Mm -hmm. right? When you talk about the sliver of the audience you're trying to target, when you're paying for the entire suite, it's not necessarily always the most efficient. And if you have a product that is, you know, north of three, four hundred dollars, it's just not that audience is just not buying that. And it depends on the three, four hundred dollar thing. That's true. Look, you've seen it with the mirror and with Peloton. It became pop culture, right? Correct. Like those were those were four digit products. Those were thousand right. dollars over, but they were able to become part of like the nomenclature, and they were icons. They yes. they got into the yep. discussion. I did my Peloton today. They made it cool. Yeah. They made it relevant, and you know, and even though we weren't fortunate enough to be able to work on those two products, mm-hmm. you can't help but admire what they've been able to do because, to your point, yeah, they were able to sell a two thousand dollar brand, right? A two thousand dollar, four thousand dollar bike. 
easily through 30-second advertising. Right. So there is chances to be able to do that. But there was also a huge amount of money that started with huge. that campaign. Huge. And then once it caught in the jet stream, everybody was like, I got to have my Peloton. My friend had hers. They made a social network out of it. They And, and kudos to that. But that doesn't mean that you can't build that with less of a upfront investment. Correct. If you're looking and saying, I want my fifty or two hundred thousand dollars to start me down that path, right. I don't know that you can do that with a thirty second spot. That's that's the perfect way to finish this segment up because it's about if you have oodles of cash mm-hmm. burning holes in your pocket mm-hmm. and you're heavily um, invested with VCs and all that stuff who want to build billion dollar business, that's great. But there are about five, they're, you can count them on two hands, right? But if you're talking about performance marketing and, you, and that is where you want to eventually get, you're talking, this is the s- most effective way to eventually get to that point. So you can have those dollars to do that. Exactly. Because right. you can't start that way and build a business because you'll, you'll run out of money. Some people some people get it. Some people are blessed with it, right? Yes. Some people, it went through whatever it was or their investment capital, they yeah. have it to start day one. Yeah. But we want to be able to be able to, to service and also support a lot of other people that have a dream of getting there the hard way. And not to say that that was the easy way. Sure. But the build way. Yeah. Right. A goes to B, goes to C, goes to D. Yeah. And I think that we've both gotten really good at helping people on that journey and that path. Mm-hmm. Um, and though we've all both have gotten clients that have liked that, and we've been able to get them where they need to be as well. Sure. Um, it's just they're just different roads, and I think we're both nimble enough to be able to yeah. support that. Yeah. What would you say? Kind of the the three most important things to be thinking about when it comes to performance marketing to be considering it when you are in charge of those media dollars, in charge of scaling those businesses when it comes to that demographic? I mean, from a media standpoint. We were talking about this before we started. Creative matters. I yep. think you gotta understand that it's not commoditized. Um, it's not a commoditized thing that there are people that know, like yourself, who've been you know, a pioneer in this industry in a lot of ways that know how to make not only the phones ring, but people go to websites, mm-hmm. people curious about a product. It's not as easy as it may look. So I think that it really starts with your creative and your positioning. And that goes in, in a lot of the things that we do as well, identifying the market, identifying the audience, who the target is, both from a media and a creative perspective, know who you're going after, mm-hmm. and work with people that understand how to speak the message they need to hear. That's number one. Right. Um, Number two, as you look at it, is I would look at this with, with, and I would take away all my preconceived notions about what I think about marketing, and I would have an honest dialogue and conversation about what formats do we build. We understand our audience. I think that's number one. We understand our audience. We understand our creative approach. Now let's talk about how it's going to play in the media environment once we do it. I think finally when you look at the third part of this is when you launch it, my advice to clients is... Don't be scared of a large or a small number. Do the right number. And that number can absolutely be as low as $50,000. Depending on your product and your goals and your needs, that number could be a lot higher than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about having an honest dialogue about what your risk appetite is, what your financial nest egg is that you're starting out with, mm-hmm. and what's going to accomplish the goal. Because there's nothing worse, and I've seen this, where the right number for a test was one hundred and fifty dollars or $200,000. A client wanted to test $25,000 or $50,000. And at the end of it, they looked at each other and be like, did it work? It's not that it didn't work. You didn't give it a chance to work. We didn't know. And they, they didn't know it didn't work. And yeah. that was, they were in this really heartbreaking spot yeah. Yeah. that you had to do because like they had made this, they had made every decision right. And they got sticker shot because someone got in their head. You can find anything you need to know for $25,000. Right. 
And sometimes you can, but not for every client. Right. So it's really about tailoring the solution to the client okay. and finding somebody that you trust and you partner with, whether it's people like us or whether it's other folks. Like I believe a rising tide helps all boats. Yep. I hope that all clients find a partner that makes sense for them so they believe in performance marketing as much as we do, regardless of whether it's with us or somebody else. Find somebody you like and you trust. The performance marketing is such a, it's, it's such a unique dynamic field because a lot of agencies like you and uh, agencies like us, they they really focus and do media really well, or they do creative and focus on that really well. It's very, very, very rare that they do both well. So my advice is make sure your creative and your media teams are talking to each other. You're right, to your point. Um, I also think that there's other things that we've both probably seen is if your media and your creative groups aren't on the same page, you get the, it wasn't me, it was them. And if you're a client, do you really want to be refereeing a food fight between two people that are supposed to be your partners? Right. I, I can only imagine, like, even if it's, like, I've seen it happen, and we really try to avoid that. Um, but there are things where yeah. you don't want this. No. And I think it's really important. I am yeah. always a big advocate, regardless of who your partner is for yep. either one of them. Yep. You got to work together. Yeah. And you got to make them come together. And yeah. that should be table stakes for making decisions. Yeah. And you have to have the right person pulling the strings. I agree with you. Thank you, Abbott. I appreciate it again. Thank you, Ken. If somebody wanted to learn a little bit more about Havas Edge and get some information about, you know, what I consider one of the best media agencies Thank in you. the business, or if not the best, in the, how would they get a hold of you? Uh, I think it's easiest just email me at abbott.abusala at havasedge.com. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. You got it, Ken. Thank you. Cool.